June 25th, 2023. This one's called Scientific Miasma. Greetings, everyone. It's Sunday where I am. And today I want to do a wee little piece, uh, whilst I'm out in nature, titled Scientific Miasma. And going through a list of the hoaxes and the lies that have been spread throughout the world and the culture for quite some time and how we can kind of um, rebuff that and what is actually really true. So let's start out with a list of the hoaxes, the hollowest hoaxes of all that they promote in this society as truth, as gospel. Essentially, these are just religious uh, beliefs. That's all it essentially is. But most people are easily swayed by religious beliefs because they are swayed by fear. Like, for example, we know that science is based on nature. But throughout the last couple of years with the Oyed AI hoax, with transsexualism, with BLM, these are prime, primo examples of the inversion of this. We are being taught through these examples that science is separate from nature, that it's actually the inversion of nature. We are taught that science is belief, opinion, agreement, and consensus. And all of course, all of those things represent the beliefs that go along with OAI, LGBTP, BLM. These are all just religious beliefs. Of course, you listening don't partake in those beliefs, and I do not partake in those beliefs. So what are 10 false premises of science and medicine? And what a shame it is what has happened to science. Science is all about trial and error, testing. Uh, none of this really exists anymore. It's become exceedingly dogmatic, and it's just another avenue to hoax and fear and control humanity. So the events of the last past several years have highlighted at least 10 false premises of science. And I think that S in science should basically be a dollar sign, if you know what I mean. And the terrible collectivist policies that flow from them. So here are 10 false premises of science and medicine. Number one is that science is consensus-based and everyone agrees. And of course, that would just be our religion. Think about the Inquisition. Think about times in the past where we were uh, irritated. These belief systems that were totally false, that we were told we had to believe or else would happen. That's essentially what's happened in the last couple of years, and we see it waning with the Oyed AI narrative, but we see it boosting up with the BLM narrative, with the boosting of majorities, with the, quote, uh, asylum seekers coming into this country and other white lands. We see it with the TS agenda. Right now we're in the thick of the, quote, Pride Month. This has been the second year in a row that, quote, Juneteenth has been a federal holiday. And we're also seeing this play out with the climate change agenda. And all climate change really means is that Big Z is using their joystick to fiddle with the weather and that they're changing the climate of certain countries by bringing in the quote, asylum seekers and facilitating white genocide. That's what climate change means. So number one, science is consensus-based and everyone agrees. That's essentially what all of these narratives and agendas would like you to believe and want you to believe. Number two, 
is that dis-ease comes from a foreign invader and spreads from person to person. Of course, this is germ theory, the hoax of contagion, which was disproven over a century ago. If you're new to this information, you can look in the archives. I've done well over 100 broadcasts detailing why this is a hoax. We actually, this is hilarious, uh, I think before the germ theory became like the standard uh, belief system, people used to believe in something called the miasma theory. And of course, a miasma is a disgusting smell. That's why I referred to this broadcast or little mini tidbit as a scientific miasma. It's that gross, like, ugh, that stench. And that's really what science has become. Very unfortunate. But people used to believe at some point in history when the plague doctor was a part of society that um, you could actually get a dis-ease or germs from picking up a smell. Now we know that the idea of a virus is something that the body can manufacture when it needs to do a cleansing. We're not even sure if it's actually even a virus. It could be something called an exosome. The whole idea that this microscopic particle could invade um, you know, the invisible enemy, the foreign invader just, you know, randomly seeking people out from person to person is a hollow hoax. Of course, there are many reasons why people get ill. There's toxins, whether those be man-made toxins, whether they be emotional toxins, which essentially are man-made as well. Number three, health comes from a pill. We know this is a hoax as well, but we live in a society, and this even extends a little bit to um, the supplement industry and, and herbalism to an extent too. We're always looking for that quick fix in the pill form or something that's a quick fix, something that will you know, get rid of whatever we want to get rid of, get rid of eye bags, get rid of belly bloat, get rid of insomnia, boost our sex drive. You know, we always want this quick fix, and we think it comes from a pill, whether it's a synthetic or a herbal, and sometimes herbals and supplements can be a, a nice addendum to a good regime, but it's really the crux and the foundational regime that is the health supportive modality, as well as one's belief system. Because we could have a shit belief system, a shit diet, um, a shit lifestyle, and take all the most expensive supplements and herbs in the world and still feel like shit. Number four, it is, quote, bad genes or bad luck that makes you ill. And no, it's not. People get ill because of emotional conflicts, because of toxicity, because of belief they're going to get ill. I mean, I've seen this belief for a long time. A lot of people think that they themselves are going to die at the age that their parents did, or they themselves are going to get the diseases that their parents got. And that is just a belief system. And the idea of a disease is really a belief system too, because all a disease is, is a bunch of symptoms and they name it a dis-ease. And the symptoms, of course, we know are a sign that the body is desperately trying to heal itself, but there really isn't anything as dis-ease. We really just have these symptoms, which are text messages that the body is sending out, the ancient version of text messaging, telling us, screaming to us, something has to be changed. I'm in a lack of homeostasis. Please help me out, as opposed to, quote, bad genes or bad luck. 
Number five, the body makes bad mistakes. Again, a hollow hoax. How religious does this sound? How rooted in BDSM or self-flagellation does it sound that the body makes bad mistakes? It's like those ideas that a baby could be bad because a baby doesn't sleep enough or something like that. Like, or a baby is bad because a baby is presenting breach. Like, these are religious beliefs. They are self-flagellation beliefs. They are beliefs that we see... Um, permeate into all aspects of every industry. We see a lot of this self-flagellation within the diet industry, within the fitness industry. You know, there are even classes where people like to be talked down to uh, and berated so they can, you know, get the gusto to, you know, work out harder. And probably someone who's needing that is probably someone who was pretty badly abused in, in childhood. Number six, the body fails with age. And we see this all the time. We see people around, I think it's around 35 to 40. It may actually be happening even earlier in life because things are so um, senescent earlier on. And we see young people, people in their teens and 20s, even, even younger, already starting to break down. And then we create this consensus belief that the body breaks down with age. And we know that's not true because there are plenty of people who are in their later years who are 70, 80 plus. They've got pep. They've got vigor. They've got vitality. They have a sparkle to their eye. They have energy. They eat well. They exercise. They have a sex drive. They have orgasms. So this couldn't be true that the body fails with age. It may be true for some based on their belief and their piss poor lifestyle, right? Or the thing I hear a lot of people say, I'm getting old right? The other day, someone said to me, I'm getting old. Someone, same age as myself. And I said, I'm not. These are all religious belief systems based on self-flagellation. And a lot of us, of course, we grew up in a disordered and traumatic way, even if maybe we weren't like beaten or sexually abused or victims of incest. And of course, those are some of the worst things that can happen to a youngster. But a lot of us grew up in situations where maybe a parent was not available because of mental illness, narcissism, uh, addiction or alcoholism. Maybe the parent was uh, physically ill. So we have all these traumas and these traumas pile on and it's very easy for someone who's intensely traumatized and hasn't really ever dealt with it to fall prey to all of these um, false premises of science and medicine. I see it time and time again. Even think about the people who were teetering on the edge of um, psychological wellness before Oyed AI. As soon as Oyed AI happened, that was a straw that broke the camel's back, that put them over the edge, and many of them haven't been the same since then because it was too much of a shock to a system that was already terribly dysregulated. Number seven, if it's not working properly, cut it out of the body or have surgery. Of course, Big Z and allopathy. Remember allopathy, aloe, other, pathos, suffering, other, suffering. They make you suffer in a different way when they relieve something. So let's say someone has... Um, psoriasis. We see all these commercials all the time in the health magazines, the adverts on the Talmud Vision. Everything is about psoriasis and rheumatoid arthritis. It seems what they call an autoimmune disease just means the body has been poisoned with um, literal poisons and emotional um, thought poisons. And we see all these commercials saying, yeah, it'll get rid of your RA or your psoriasis, but, you know, you may be suicidal, your liver may shut down, um, you know, the list goes on and on and on, and they always say it with this kind of like hush, like mellow voice. If they were saying it intensely with this dramatic voice, I think it would be more, uh, you know, 
relatable to people that this is actually something that can cause problems. So we have this belief in allopathy. We treat the body like an automobile. Needs a new oil filter. Needs a new transmission. Needs new tires, right? We don't see it as a whole holistic set where everything is actually working together. So like when someone has a problem, say, um, diabetes, which we see as a blood sugar issue, that person also has issues with their thyroid. That person also has issues with low minerals. That person also has issues with not seeing the sweetness in life. But in allopathy, we just see it in the one way. And then if we look at it from the TCM or the Chinese perspective, you don't treat every person with diabetes or hypothyroidism or you know whatever disease. You don't treat them the same because one person may have a yin constitution and run cool. One person may have a yang constitution and run hot. So every person is individual. The body is working as a circuit together at all times, always desperately trying to maintain homeostasis. And all we do here is we say, let's cut it out. Like something that's happening a lot these days and not just as a facet of the T-sexual agenda. We see this terrible trend um, in the TS agenda with young gals in their um, 20s getting a full hysterectomy, a total removal of the uterus, the cervix, the fallopian tubes, and the ovaries, basically putting them into a surgical menopause. There's also a trend with women who aren't transsexuals, who don't have this dysphoric idea. Well, maybe they do to an extent. I mean, to do any of this, I think you have to have some type of body dysphoria. It may not be, quote, gender dysphoria, or I would call it sex dysphoria, because gender is just societal idea of who is supposed to wear what. That doesn't exist in the Amazon. It doesn't exist among the Maasai. It doesn't exist among, you know, the Mongolians. This is just a, a cultural idea of who is supposed to wear what. But we see this trend with women in their 30s, possibly ones who haven't even become mothers yet, who are dealing with so many uh, menstrual issues that they're just deciding to have these hysterectomies and, and celebrating it like they're being liberated from the pain of their period. If you're having period problems, that is your body speaking to you, telling you that something is awry, screaming for you to do something to create homeostasis. It's not natural. Maybe a couple of little twings of pain, like little mild cramps here and there, but if you're doubled over in pain, that is a problem. That's a dietary problem. That's a lifestyle problem. That's a mineral problem. That's a nutritional problem. And it's also an emotional problem. And I would venture to say that anyone who's doing any type of these surgeries, whether it's a tranny surgery or a non-tranny surgery, is not connected to their body. And part of this new scientific miasma is to get people completely divorced and amputated from nature so they can't be connected to their body. And they can sell them stuff like vaccinations, the vegan diet, um, the utilization of sex toys and sex dolls to get off. All of this is disgusting disgusting against nature. The idea of multiracialism, the idea that we're all one, this is the most disgusting, lowest and vile insult to nature that's ever been tried to pass, be passed off. Number eight, natural remedies don't work and are either silly or dangerous. Of course, we see a lot of allopaths telling you things like yoni steaming is dangerous and trying to stoke fear into people who want to take their health into their own hands. Of course, they don't want you to have this power. If you're willing to um, delegate your health to somebody else, you've already bent over and have a fist of, you know, a Vaseline fist up your bum in a, you know, a psychological sense, at least if you're willing to basically hand that over to somebody else. But 
you know, there's a lot of fear that runs extremely deep um, because people are not aware that there are alternatives. And especially if someone is really ill, they don't know what to do because they don't want to die. They don't want to lose their family. So they really have people by the balls or the ovaries with many of these, um, you know, these protocols and treatments, quote treatments. Number nine detoxification is a joke. Well, when the body is healthy and being given natural foods, especially foods that are healthy and nutritious and um, building up the body, the body is able to naturally detox. Is it nice sometimes to have the extra push of maybe adding in a certain supplement or a protocol, like maybe a castor oil pack, maybe doing the sauna, right? We can add these in, but the basics are a diet that actually is always encouraging detoxification. But if we're eating a piss poor diet and we're living off of stimulants, then how are we going to be in a natural state of detoxification, especially if we're taking lots of drugs? And I don't just mean drugs like street drugs, you know, or like, you know, societally acceptable drugs. I mean, like, you know, the white pills that people get from Dr. Z, all of those pills demineralize terribly and make people feel anxious and depressed. I'm even thinking back to um, a show I did a while ago called Fiber Menace, where I talked about the hoax of fiber, mostly in the context of these grain fibers, these roughage fibers. And I'm thinking about the work of, um, Dr. John Kellogg, I believe, the fellow behind the cornflakes, and his idea for developing the cornflakes cereal was because he wanted to do something to take the sex drive away from youngsters. So a non-nutritious cereal, quote, food that tastes the same as the box it comes in, you know, totally non-nutritious, would be a way to basically quell and, you know, damper down and tamper down the sex drive of a, a growing person, right? He was also pro-circumcision, pro-circumcision of males and females as a way to get them to stop from masturbating. So there's a huge connection between all of this kind of like, um, uh, how would I call it? Not just frigidity, that's the wrong word. This kind of prudeness, this this inorgasmic culture. We really do live in an inorgasmic culture too, even though we have this like kind of crazy, like oversexed culture in many ways. It's really very inorgasmic because people are needing to do crazy ass shit to even get off these days. But back to what I was saying about Kellogg and all of this, he found out that if he gave these youngsters a breakfast that was low in nutrition, so basically low in protein, low in minerals, you know, all the things we need to basically be healthy and horny and develop our secondary sex characteristics, etc., and then that he was to actually circumcise them, which means he's amputating nerve-ending rich skin off of their most um, sensitive areas of their body. For males, it would be um, the skin that covers the glands. The glands is the top of the penis. For women or girls, it would be um, the foreskin that covers the clitoris. Those are the analogous sexual organs in both sexes. He was doing this as a way to basically not have people be fully uh, bloomed and fully aroused. And now how many people are fed a diet when they're youngsters that actually allow them to develop the proper secondary sex characteristics? I mean, most of us aren't. Even if we grew up on meat, we still had this very vegetarian 
a way about going about it. Like I consider anyone who isn't eating a certain amount of protein essentially to be a vegetarian. I don't care if you eat chicken, beef, pork, fish, whatever. If you're eating like a diet that's based in what the Zio Sludge food pyramid or plate tells you to eat, you're basically a vegetarian and you're going to have anxiety, depression, premature aging. You're going to have all of these shit for brain beliefs that go along with the false premise of science and medicine. So there's really a lot to be said about eating a normal diet um, that will fully develop you sexually, which will develop you hormonally and psychologically, so you can see through the hoaxes of society. Um, so just a little tangent right there in regards to, to that. But there's a direct relationship between our belief system, our hormonal production, our capacity to um, dissolve and release and move through trauma, as well as our sexual capacity and our nutrition. Very interesting. And finally, number 10. Someone who is perfectly healthy can be a dangerous, quote, asymptomatic carrier. This was the most, or one of the most shit for brain belief systems of the last couple of years. Um, obviously, it's fake because we know contagion is a hollow hoax. Um, I really question the psycho psychological um, state of anyone who believed this was real. But of course, we know this is a hollow hoax that people get ill because of emotional toxins and physical toxins. So that was our list of 10 false premises of science and medicine. And now, just to round it out, let's talk about the nine things that we do know that are true, that really are scientific, that really do create this, this wisdom, this sacred spirituality in, in the body that is so important to, to nourish, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. So number one, science is based on nature. That's the truth. It's like I said in the beginning, it's not based on belief, opinion, agreement, and consensus. Those have nothing to do with science. The proof is in nature. Number two, the body is a self-healing machine. Absolutely, you give it the right things, you take away the wrong things, the body is meant to self-heal. Look what happens when uh, you get like a scab from like a fall or like a scratch or something. The body heals itself, right? Number three, Everything needed for optimal health is available in nature. That is true too. Sometimes there are interventions which can save modern humans, which probably we wouldn't have had back in the day, and those people probably would have been offed. Um, and maybe we would have had a stronger, more eugenic populace. We may have had more deaths. It's kind of a touchy subject to talk about this one sometimes because some people are only alive because of medical intervention. But um, the truth is that really everything needed for optimal health is available in nature, even though sometimes modern medicine can you know, save someone's life in a pinch, especially when it comes to ER care, maybe the utilization of um, an infection that's gotten past the point where the healing is gonna become a death maybe a birth where the placenta uh, ruptures and the baby is stuck. So yes, these things can help sustain life. And back in the day, these people probably would have just ended up dying. But in reality, everything needed for optimal health is available in nature. But since many of us, unfortunately, aren't in optimal health, we weren't born by people or bore and birthed by people who were in optimal health, sometimes we have these things that we can use to sustain life. Number four, the law of cause and effect is important. Exactly, if you eat shit, you'll feel like shit. If you don't move your body, you, you're not going to feel very good. You know, if you have toxic thoughts, um, they're going to linger and become, you know, part of your psyche. So cause and effect. 
Number five, humans are capable of living much longer. I've talked about this on many shows in the past. It's said that 120 should be the average lifespan. It could possibly be even longer than that, but we know that there are some people who are living outside on the outskirts of Zog who are living to 120 or plus. So we definitely are capable of living uh, a lot longer than they tell us that we have the capacity to live. And of course, since Oyed AI, the um, the age, the expected uh, life expectancy age, I believe in every country has, um, or at least every country, or most every country has, has gone down significantly. Number six, man-made toxins and poisons cause many, if not all, chronic health conditions. And I would uh, include emotional toxic thoughts and traumas as a man-made poison because your body makes those toxins, those stress hormones, as a result of being through something that was emotionally traumatic, physically traumatic, psychologically traumatic, spiritually traumatic, sexually traumatic, etc. So they are essentially man-made toxins that your body is making, even though it's innate. But yes, this is a reason why there's a lot of chronic health um, conditions. Number seven, we are capable of learning about and managing our own health. We absolutely are. Listening to quote experts is really like walking off a cliff or getting GPSed off a cliff. We just have to have the power to want to do that. And also it, it takes a lot sometimes, especially if you grew up in a very allopathic way, to step away from these belief systems. People who grew up and they had parents who were physicians or just really, really just completely married to it, like they grew up in a house where the medicine chest was completely and totally full. It takes a lot to step out of that paradigm. It's almost like someone coming out of a very religious upbringing or coming out of an upbringing where maybe they weren't so religious, but the parent to this day is very, very religious. So it really takes a lot to to come out of this and realize you can manage your own health. It's a, it's a very courageous thing for a lot of people. Number eight, DNA is not the blueprint for all life function. And, you know, it's more of a Western belief. And some of these Western beliefs are good for, you know, tabulation and incalculation and stuff like that. But I think if we really want to understand the body from a really spiritually scientific way, we always have to look to the East, always to look to things like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, which, of course, you know, our people, we have a lineage in, in the East. Of course, you know, a lot of humans throughout the years have given me flack for my love and my reverence and my, you know, somewhat obsession with the East. I mean, it's the belief system that I was uh, born into believing. I didn't come from a very allopathic household. So for me, it's, it's, it's very easy to grasp these things. And I always see things in more of a full circle way, looking at things from that way, as opposed to just this Western lens, which is um, very reductionistic and essentially misogynistic. Number nine, humans have extrasensory abilities. Absolutely. Think about how we just know if someone's going to sneak up on us or if someone's behind us or we can feel something. Like we, we all have these. Of course, some of us, they're more honed and more tuned in than others based on many of things, just based on our innate um, sense, um, who we are, our experiences, our diet, our lifestyle, our beliefs. Some say it has something to do with our, our blood type, perhaps our lineage, if we had other people in our life or our family who were kind of you know, mystical, uh, witchy people, but we definitely have a sixth sense. Just a lot of us don't hone that because we're told not to. We're told that it's, you know, for hippies, that it's fake, that it's a hoax, but they want you to believe things like this. They want you to believe that you don't have power, that uh, they have power, and that 
uh, every time you even have a sneeze or a fart, you should go and uh, you know seek medical attention, which of course is just basically a meme at this point. I'm sure everyone listening knows that. So that's pretty much all I have for today. And stay tuned for the next live broadcast. I haven't done a live one in a while. I've been transitioning in um, a lot of like busy type of stuff and just kind of um, liking doing these more sporadic shows, really putting a lot of intent and thought into them. And then when I feel the gusto and I have the information, I'll do a live one. So the next live show coming up is going to be called Stimulation Nation. Probably be happening in the next two weeks or so. We're going to talk about the utilization of stimulants and not just the stimulants that we imbibe, but the um, stimulus um, types of lifestyle that we engage in and how this is a trauma response and how society basically relies on us being stimulated so that the industrial capitalistic uh, Zyosledge society can keep its uh, you know, equilibrium, if you will, but that can't last forever, of course. So I'm gonna get on with my walk. I bid everyone a beautiful Sunday wherever you are in this big white world and until we meet again, Satnam. <laughs>